Yes, guys, and we are back with another very special episode on the Token Loud podcast. I've got a very special guest as well. He's known as Curtis Crosses, and he's got a pretty large following on Instagram. He's been dabbling in a a lot of stuff related to our favorite plant. So welcome on to the show, Curtis. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Thank you so much for having me, brother. I'm doing really good today. It's a nice, productive day out here in Colorado. Got some stuff going on in the garden that I finished up and was anxious to hop on and chat with you. So here we are. How are you doing today? Man, I'm good. I'm good, man. What should I refer to you as, man? Like, should I call you Curtis Crosses? Should I call you Curtis? <laughs> Cousin Kurt? What should I call you, dude? Fred. No, I'm just <laughs> um, man, some people call me Kurt. Some people call me Curtis. Uh, my good friends from back in the day call me CJ because my middle name is James. Okay. Uh, Kurtropolis, Curtains. You know, there's you got, a bunch of them. Whatever you're then. comfy with, bro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to stick with Kurt. Curtis, 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 cool. Curtis Crosses. So, yeah. guys, we got Curtis Crosses on the show today. He's actually an awesome grower. I've been following for quite some time now, honestly, quite some time. He's a super funny and genuine guy as well, and he's been crossing some strains, and he's been pulling out some fire, wax, rosin, shatter, whatever you want to call it. He's got it on his page. So, definitely check it out. I'm going to put links to it down below, but he deserves that follow. Now, um, I just got a few questions for you, guys, for you, dude. Um, first off, I want to ask you about your name. How did that come about? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, my name is Curtis, and when I got the idea to really get online and try and start spreading some of these genetics further than Colorado, which has been my typical market for the last decade, you know, I started yeah. growing in 2004, uh, you know, really everything kind of started from there. But um, basically, when I started getting online, I, I started making stuff on a little editing app on my iPhone, and I was calling it Curtis's Creations. Oh, yeah, and, uh, I do remember I was, that. Yeah, and I was talking with my dad, and um, my dad went to CU Boulder. He has a, you know, a science degree, and we were talking about Mendelian, Punnett squares, and just, you know, a lot of interesting things. But he was like, well you know, you're making a cross. Why don't you call it Curtis's crosses? True. It's more applicable. Smart. It rings up the tongue. So, I mean, it yeah. was, admittedly, it was kind of my dad that kind of influenced the more scientifically correct name because, yeah, they are my creations, but it seems more broad. A cross is like whenever somebody's like, yeah, I'm smoking on or this, you know, um, it's like, what's, what's the cross? What's with? Yeah, yeah. So these are Curtis's crosses. Yeah, I like that, man. I always ask everyone that comes on the show, like, how did that name come about? Because a lot of people got different names. They're all so unique and it always almost is personalized to like them and what they do. So that's pretty sure. interesting, man. And there was lulls, you know, we all do this because we love the plant and there's other reasons that motivate us. But when you get online and you market yourself and you try and sell seeds, you want to spread the genetics. You want to spread yeah. that gar garden to garden. You want, you want people to have that similar experience and success and the feeling of growing something that's been tested, pheno hunted. It's going to perform for them. But like, you know, there's money involved. It costs money True. to grow the plants. It costs yeah. money for me to order stickers. It takes time for me to design the labels and stuff. So I was like, there's, you know, there's monetary value behind all of this both ways. I'm spending money, but I could also make money off of it. And yeah. um, <clears throat> it's not something I want to like 
get rich off of. But what I'm getting at is when I named it Curtis's Crosses, I was like, I just shot myself in the foot. You know, I don't have a cool name. I, I could have been like, you know, insane, crazy, smokable plants. Curtis's Crosses is dope, man. Like, I, that's one of the first things to pull me onto your page. And I was it's following you since me. about the time I started this channel. Yeah, Honestly. it's grown on me. You know, like, like it is mine. It's my name. It's my project. It's my passion. It's my love. I love it. Yeah. And it's, it's mine. It's got my name on it. So nobody can take that away from me. Yeah, dude, double C's, man. Double C's. Curtis Crosses, man. Oh, yeah. That alliteration. <laughs> yeah, 100. So how long have you been gardening now, man? Like, how did you get into gardening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, 2003, I don't know, 2003, sometime around there. Wow, a uh, long Summer time, after man. sixth grade. Nope. Uh, me and a couple of my idiot friends were hanging out at the park like we usually do, and I knew what they did and I hadn't yet. I knew my dad did and I hadn't yet. So my friend was like, my uncle grew this and do you want to come smoke it in my basement with me? I was like, definitely. Sure, so, why not? Because it was the first time I'd actually been invited. You know, I'd been lingering, waiting for the invite, basically. Yeah, I was yeah. like the new kid there. So I was like, I can do a kickflip. I, I I don't tell people <laughs> things you tell me. Like, when are you guys going to invite me to be cool? <laughs> yeah, I just want to join. I just want to play. Come, come on, guys. Yeah, Let me play dude, as well. So I finally got the chance. Oh, let me tell you, man, I totally blew it. But that's a story for another time. Um, he got me into the basement. We smoked. And after that, uh, I did. it did work the first time. Nice. A lot of people I know say they don't feel it after, like, the first or second time. And uh, it, it worked. Perfect. <laughs> and I loved that's, it. That's what, we, that was what, that's what we're after, man. Yeah. Yeah. And that first one, it's true, man. It's, like, magical. It's enchanting. It's, it's alluring. It's intriguing. It piques your attention. Whatever word you want to use, it does it. And so for me, and um, it here, became dude. an obsession, an absolute obsession. So we knew this older kid who I met at the skate park and uh, I got the chance because now I partook. And so I walked up to the kid that I was like trying to mimic my skateboarding after I was like, Hey, I have this. And he's like, Oh word. And so uh, I got closer with him and I realized that he had a little area underneath his basement staircase. It was a bat wing reflector. Okay. 400 watt single ended magnetic ballast high pressure sodium wow, yeah. bunch of plants on a concrete floor <laughs> nothing special and i was i was like oh my god it's a grow room and Dope. so i uh i gave him like 60 or 70 bucks for a female teenager okay i planted it in my backyard and um i watered it and i took care of it and uh i moved it a couple times because i was keeping it a secret from my parents and um i loved the plant the dark green leaves, the way that the stem rubs smelled, you know, yeah. um, at nighttime I was hanging out, jumping on the trampoline and be like, oh, I'm going to get one look before the sun goes down. I realized that those plants start smelling different. They start yeah. off when the sun goes down and they, they smell good. They're like, oh, everything smell. drew me, man. So I got that, I got that plant from him and I worked it all the way up until it was, you know, pretty healthy. It hadn't started flowering yet. Came home from school or whatever it was one day gone. Just wow. Gone. No way. Someone stole it. Yeah, somebody did kill it, and uh, they wouldn't admit it. And then I was told to mow the yard from my parents two weeks later, and I went to empty the clippings out of the mower bag, <laughs> and I dumped out my plant. Oh, my they, someone <laughs> kept it then. I thought someone stole it. You know a lot of people be going around stealing plants, but, like, someone just didn't want you to have that plant, dude. They were like, yeah, no, my, no, somebody no. Somebody didn't want that plant in their teenager's possession or on their not property. <laughs> we're not having this. <laughs> Yeah, we're and, not gonna have the anybody see this on our property talk so yeah. no 
no. And so I uh, started, uh, anyways, I won't, I won't ramble off too far, but I started getting creative. I started converting house speakers and, and dressers and all kinds of stuff into little that's makeshift grow areas. Shit, but... man, that's dope. you're ingenious man so like what did you use to to like how did you get a light source in there like what 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 so just because your following is so big i won't go into the nitty-gritty but i did acquire some 70 and 150 watt metal halides and high pressure sodiums somehow yeah and then relocated the ballasts into project box from radio shack and then i would also take an array of uh you know those Y connectors that have yeah. a 120 volt plug-in? Yeah. I would take a set of those on a power strip. I would zip tie them in, and then I'd put two 6500K 26 watt bulbs in each Y. So it'd make like oh. eight or 10 bulbs times 26 or yeah. whatever. And then I'd do 35 or 2700K, the orange bulbs for flowering and the 6500K cool. for veg. But like Smart. when you're working in a dude it works good because when you're in like a little house speaker that thing's like two and a half or three feet tall and like you know 20 24 inches wide or whatever it's a nice box but inside i've got a pc fan wired to a cell phone charger and then i've got a 90 degree pvc tube up towards the ceiling sucking the hot air that rises in the box doesn't let light out because it's a 90 degree bend and exhausts the heat so we're good in the bottom I put in a false floor, which was just a piece of plywood that I cut and glued. And then I drilled a bunch of holes in it. And then on the bottom, I did the same thing. On each corner, there's a little 90 degree PVC. And then I set my plants in there in like one gallon pots or Rubbermaid tubs or whatever I could find because I was a broke little teenager. And I put that little CFL strip up top. And man, an analog timer tucked it in the corner of my room. If it started to smell, sometimes I would cut up fish tank filters from the 55 gallon in the basement yeah. and just stuck that little puck in there on the exhaust. Um, yeah, yeah. It, I had to get a higher voltage <laughs> cell phone charger. Ingenious, dude, like, there's man. all weird little adjustments. Yeah, and dude. After all that. Oh, smoke, my God. <laughs> you get like six grams of smokable, you know, plant. <laughs> Oh shit, man! Like it sounded so promising, dude. Like I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm sitting here, like, man, this is a genius. Yeah, but that's awesome, man. That's awesome. That that's literally at the end of the day, that's the goal. Like I talk to a lot of girls about that, and they say at the end of the the day, no matter how much you harvest, it's about the fact that you harvested, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, admittedly, you know, I guess my first grow, I didn't harvest. It got cut down, and that's my fault. My security wasn't on point. Yeah, it doesn't matter. True. You know, there's a lot of people. And in hindsight, it's like if I could talk to my teenage self, I, dude, don't grow in your parents' house. That's not your house. Yeah. And don't but, um, go outdoors in your parents' house where everyone can see it. <laughs> yeah. 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 So double bad. And um, <laughs> Mom, moms will cut that down one day when you're not looking. You're yeah. going out to play sports. Mom will cut that down. <laughs> Just to emphasize, if you're a minor, don't put these plants in your parents' house. Don't grow at all. We're not advocating that at all. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> don't do that. i did i made that mistake but it also gave me the you know the experience i I got a a little bit of a head start on a lot of people yeah for sure 100 percent sure a lot of people i tell i say to uh the first grow is may not be the best it may be pretty bad but it's about the lessons that you learn it's about that trial and error a lot of it is trial and error and that'll be invaluable yeah 100 percent, dude now you mentioned a few times that you are uh, you grow with HPS, and I seen that you like have a few HPS that you're, yeah, that you're still running. So can you tell me a little bit about your current setup now? Yeah. Okay. So I 
take pictures of like everything in my grow you've dug you've dug through my instagram there's even pictures of like the wiring i just got set up you can see how many 120 and 240 volt outlets i got in the new spot and stuff i try and be thorough like a picture of the breaker box or anything like that yeah. i try and be thorough with my documentation online but there's a lot of stuff that people don't see so i've got a bunch of sun system xxl eight inch air cooled hoods i nice yeah, and I got How big those. is your grow space to like begin with, man? The new one that I'm starting right now is a 10 by 10, a 10 wow. by 10, Dope. and an 8 by 4. Awesome, so man. That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's two 10 by 10 tents and an 8 by 4 to house mothers and clones. Amazing. And Yeah, and so um, when I was at the job, the career I left in April of 2021, living in Fort Collins, I established a really good relationship with the grow shop dudes. Uh, the same company has a grow shop in Fort Collins as well as Loveland. So if I'm like heading south to Longmont, I can hit the grow shop in, Lo in Loveland and whatever. Dope. Those guys could not get me out of their shop. I'd go in there, I'd chop <laughs> the ears off, I'd spend all my money. On my lunch breaks, I'd be in there like, mm, I don't know if I need this, I don't buy this. But, you know, I established a really good relationship with those dudes. And um, <laughs> one guy ended up, he's like, I'm, uh, uh, who is he talking to? Fox Farm was in there and they were offering him a job as a Fox Farm rep for the northern Colorado region, which is basically Sweet. you go grow shop to grow shop, you uh, shoot the breeze and you check their inventory. And if they're low on stuff, then you restock the quantities they have set in place and stuff. And so he was really excited about it. It's a good opportunity. He was going to be on salary. And uh, he said, but we're actually moving and I'm going to deconstruct my grow. And he was running like 12 or 14 of these eight inch air cooled sun systems. Nice. And so... He he went and bought a bunch of fluent spider fixtures. Okay. And he was like, I don't need these. And so if you want to give me like 75 bucks per set, that's ballast, bulb, and reflector, then they're all yours. And so I bought eight of them. Yeah, that's and, fantastic, uh, man. That's a good yeah. price too. What the hell? And, so, um, and you bought eight point, of them. I want I want eight. You got yeah, eight? Yeah, I was like, I think I took <laughs> half is what it was. I was like, I'll grab half. I think he had 16. Okay. And, um, so I got eight ballasts, eight of those eight-inch air-cooled hoods, and the bulbs that he said had uh, one flower cycle on them, and they looked clean. And I was like, cool, I'll send them at least one more cycle. And yeah. so I grabbed those very, very affordably, in my opinion. Um, one single LED fixture to replace a single-ended 1,000-watt high-pressure sodium usually consumes approximately 630, 640 watts in the industry standard today. Yeah. And one of those fixtures is over $1,000 if you buy something with a name brand appeal. And That's I can't true. afford that right now. Yeah. I'm starting a new company. I'm moving into a new state. There's licensing costs. The structure yeah. that all my equipment's going into, the foundation, the electrical work I was just telling you about, that all costs money. And so the cheaper, well, I don't, I don't want to say cheaper, the more affordable equipment that I could yeah. find that's quality. You know, I didn't cut quality by any means. These weren't impulsive buys. This was thought out. But sure. the, the most affordable quality that I felt like would fit my space, I purchased. The yeah. only reason I'm comfortable running some single-ended fixtures that are air-cooled is because in my structure, I'm allowed to cut a 10-inch hole in the top and shove an 1100 CFM fan there. Yeah. So like, yeah, you got good. you got like cooling going on, so you can do yeah. it. Yeah, and so what I do is in the 10 by 10 tents, the reflectors are on ducting, okay. but they open up they pull air from outside of the tent and yeah. it gets exhausted into, you know, outside or outside of the building. So the hot air is never introduced into the tent. 
the tent side is only injected with CO2 and is running a dehumidifier as well as an air conditioner. So yeah. like I set my parameters with rainbirds on the tent plant side and vapor pressure deficits with whatever sensor I decide to run. Most recently I've been running a pulse, but, um, you know, I set those parameters and it sits pretty. And then my lights do their own thing. They're on their own controllers. I've got a damper as well as, um, these are the uh, HPS lights that you run, right? So pretty similar, but uh, maybe not the same So that's the, same, the brand. same brand, but that's like the 150-watt all-in-one. If yeah. you see that vented portion in the base by the mogul socket, that is uh, where the ballast is. Okay, yeah. Do you want me to show you how big one of these reflectors is? Sure, man. Why not? Okay. <laughs> Just bear with me two seconds here. Okay. Okay, guys, you're going to get a quick up close look at how big these ballast reflectors are because i was just looking at it online here just to show you guys and it seems this one is a slightly different one it looks like <sighs> all in one but he's going to show us right now look at the size of this guys this is i pretty can't large. even get it in frame look, look at the size of this man these ballasts are pretty huge so this is actually a big boy compared to what i was just showing you guys and these are the hps the high pressure sodiums man these are these are pretty pretty dope lights. I honestly used so those, some of these before as well, and I enjoyed it, man. So that that's a pretty big-ass ballast, dude. So that's the reflector. And then the ballasts, um, I picked up these. Okay. And oh, they're actually brand the new still. Yeah, that's a little bit bigger than what I ran with, man. I ran uh, some CMH lights as well. So how, how does that uh, work for you, man? So let me finish answering your question, I guess. Yeah. Um, those lights, those big, huge lights, those are for my commercial grow. Let's okay, talk yeah. about my head stash. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can't afford the style I grow in an eight by four by my bed. Yeah. So one day I will be running alternating 630 Lux, 630 uh, DE ceramic metal halide. Okay. There's one grower in specific that runs an LED ceramic metal halide combo. And that's uh, loving in her eyes. Yeah. And the I, quality of flowers in her garden is achieved by a few things. First and foremost, if you don't love your plants, you'll never get that quality in return. Yeah. Secondly, if Thanks. you don't give them the time and attention that they deserve, as well as pheno hunting and having the genetic potential there to accomplish those results, it's also very difficult. Fact. But when you have a light, like a ceramic metal halide, those are rated on something called CRI, and that's Color Rating Index. Okay. Color Rating Index is a scale of 0 to 100, and it is based on likeness to the sun. Now, okay, a full-spec LED panel, I believe, sits at 89 to 90. It's kind of different just because a lot of people measure those with things like PAR and photon power or whatever, and... Uh, nanometers was like when blurples were hot but there's like a lot of different light measurements you can measure kelvin as far as spectrum goes but Got cri action. is likeness to the sun so it takes a few things into account it takes the color of the light but it also takes like ultraviolet intensities uvb uva intensities into accord yeah. and so a ceramic metal halide is as far as i'm concerned and know of the highest cri rated grow lamp in the industry the bulb i run sits at a 93 out that's of a hundred in likeness to the high. sun. And Compared so because, the LED, that's a little bit better as well. Yeah. And um, just to preface this, I don't want this to come off like misinformation in, in only my personal opinion and only that I believe that uh, trichome coverage in a sense is a deterrent for a few things for the plant. It's psychoactive. It protects itself 
because some animals don't have to like decarb plant matter. They yeah. can just be intoxicated by eating it with the way that their systems are set up. And so it's a nice natural deterrent. Like if, if an animal eats it, it gets intoxicated and it doesn't want to eat that plant anymore. And thus the plant has successfully preserved itself. Yeah, it's going to it drop off. seed. The animal didn't eat it. Right. So a lot of these plants sit in areas where there is very, very intense sun. So this is where it gets subjective. And this is my opinion. I think that trichome coverage in a sense is kind of a sunscreen for the plant. The, the gland heads refract sunlight and they help disperse that sun. And so in a sense, I think if a plant is getting very intense UVB and UVA rays, it does increase trichome production. CMH or ceramic metal halides are also noted as having the highest output of UVB or UVA aside from UVB specific fluorescent tubes sold on the market for like reptiles and plants and stuff. Okay. So you get the full spectrum light from the LED panel and then yeah. you get more full spectrum light plus UVB and UVA from the CMH in between the LED array. And so when you alternate them or you get a nice grid with a combination of that light, sure, man. you get very nice plants. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, man, you just broke that down so easily and like easy to understand, man. That's freaking yeah. amazing, man. I didn't For even sure. really know that. But I, I did realize when I grew myself with CMH, I found that the plants just seemed a little bit better in terms of quality of final product, you know, yeah. so um i i kind of stopped just because of the heat that i was getting when i was growing back in the caribbean but now i'm in colorado maybe it's something i can consider you know yeah man totally and um a lot of people in this area too especially kind of are like leds or summer lights and hps's or winter lights yeah um a lot of the structures that some of the growers i know that grow commercially aren't insulated incredibly well True. And so in the summer, instead of running propane heaters, you know, they just run like HPS supplementation, whether it's light depths or like kind of shaky buildings or whatever. Um, but if it's very cold and you don't want to run extra money for heat, you might as well just run like single ended or double ended commercial fixtures because they put off a lot more heat than LED. And even more so back in the day, instead of like, you know, paying my heat bill or whatever, or running it up. I would just set my four lights on an exhaust tube up yeah. into the kitchen that had a circulating fan. Man, you're super smart. You're living in like freaking 2050, dude. I didn't. Oh, fucking hell, man. That is super smart, dude. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, bro. So, I mean, that heat is energy, and you might as well utilize the energy if you can. So, pump it into your kitchen. It's running through a carbon filter. It's not like the kitchen all of a sudden stinks like a skunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Oh, man, that's brilliant, man. I'm, I'm definitely going to look into that because I'll save some costs on heating. <laughs> yeah, man, thanks. <laughs> I'm, always bound, I'm always bound to do that, man. But um, so what are you running like your, your home setup or your personal head stash, man? What, what does that look like? Yeah, so um, I thought I had one out here I was going to grab, but it's okay. It's a DE630, so double-ended ceramic metal halide fixture okay. from Green Rooster. Uh green rooster as far as i understand reverse engineered a gavita 630 um and then they took that design made their adjustments and then marketed it for very affordable and so okay. the the grow shops that were local to me in loveland and fort collins sold those green rooster fixtures and uh right before i moved you know i, I left my career i took some money out of savings i was buying some equipment and stuff i was like i'd like four of those 630 cmhs and then yeah. um I run some uh, Mars Hydro LEDs in between because for like 
three months, as I'm sure a lot of you have heard about or seen on the internet or been contacted by Mars Hydro, Vivosa, and AC Infinity, they do present opportunity to test and promote products for them for no charge. And yeah. so I would say at one point, once a month for maybe like three or four months, I was getting LED lights from two or three different companies and testing them and taking pictures and tagging them and stuff. And I still run the Mars Hydro SP3000, which is the 300 watt bar style. That's the beast, dude. I got yeah. one as well. They're cool. It's a little bar. They're yeah. commercial style. They're just a lot smaller. You know, they're not like six or 700 watts. They're like 300 or 240 yeah. maybe, but... Um, but they got some of those UV uh, diodes in there as well. They do. Some of the older models anyway. They have they have nice full-spec Samsung diodes. They have UV as well as IR, and they even have 770 far-red initiator diodes. I used to run a grow mouse puck, which is like a far-red initiator with a little converter, and you just set it in the center of your light. But um, I think the Mars Hydro lights are, are actually perfectly acceptable to run in a home-style grow. Yeah. Um, I think that the reason that a lot of those lights are a little bit more affordable, and this is an assumption, I would assume that maybe the metal used in the heat sinks weighs less. So it's, it's less dense or yeah. uh, it's cut a little shorter so they can make it spread a little further. And that's how Possibly. they can pass affordability on. Yeah. That's an assumption. But as far as actually using one and experiencing any issues versus like an HLG 550 V2R spec I used to run. No Not much of a difference. Yeah, no, man, I, I don't like notice that. any like crazy temperature fluctuations. I don't notice any like inconsistencies with the the driver, the diodes. I mean, it's got Meanwell drivers. There's unless I'm missing something. There's nothing different from the Meanwell driver with the same model number on a Mars Hydro board versus one on an HLG or yeah. whoever else runs Meanwell. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there's like second bin or like defects. I don't know if you've ever shopped to like Marshall's or Ross or something like maybe the off mean wells get thrown into a tub or something, but I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know about that either, man. And I've had excellent results with my Mars Hydro. That's literally all I've run since like 2020 or something, man. Yeah. So they've had, they've been honestly great lights for me and I pulled some awesome stuff. So if you guys are interested, you know, the discount code, I can THC will save you a few bucks, but definitely uh, Mars Hydro has been good to me, man. Man. Good, good. Yeah, yeah. I like their lights. Yeah, so just to surmise, my home setup is uh, an 8x4 grow tent, two of those 630 CMHDEs with a 300 strip Mars Hydro SPC 3000 in the middle, an 8 inch uh, carbon filter from AC Infinity, and an 8 inch hurricane fan extracting everything. I run a Spartan series Titan CO2 controller with a 30 pound tank and a Spartan regulator. I run, and that's at home because I did see that on your Instagram, and that's that's in your home setup. How does correct. that work for you? Uh, I love it. It's a non-dispersible infrared readout, and so it's not like the gas can alter from a fan, like okay. on some monitors, and be persuaded to to jump or vary. Yeah, it's it's to me a, a more accurate meter. And basically what it is, you can exhaust or uh, supplement or inject CO2 with this type of controller. You set your minimum PPM and your maximum PPM. And okay. so when I flower, I want my PPM at like personally 14, 1500 uh, PPM CO2. Yeah. And so I set my parameter at 1000 and 1750. And that okay. way it can have a nice broad range to fluctuate and a it spectrum. doesn't get all like aggressive with my solenoid that's opening my tank. Because if you set like a 12 to 1250 range because you're trying to hit 1225, yeah, your solenoid is going to be like, psh, 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 
Yeah. <laughs> bouncing back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> bouncing, just bouncing. And it's like, you're moving, how many CFM is your exhaust? How much is your oscillating fan moving? Like when you're moving that much air, you want a broad range with CO2. That's an appropriate range. That way yeah. it can just kind of flow. And yeah. so I run CO2. I run the CMH LED combo. I run two or three tier of uh, trellis net, depending on the strain. Indicas get like one. Sativas get three kind of thing. Hybrid somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Whatever. You know what I mean? And um, <laughs> I usually run between uh, three and 10 gallon pots. Um, I have ran hydro, I don't know, consistently probably for like six years out of the almost 18 years that I've been growing, like okay. didn't run anything else other than deep water culture, hydroponics and bubble bucket style. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the weight is there and the quality is there and the speed is there and the bag appeal and like literally everything. But I'm also an out of shape 30 year old with like a back that hurts. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to be like, so where's the butt? I feel like there's a butt coming. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. I'm glad I got the build up right. So like, <laughs> dude, those bubble buckets and don't get me wrong. I know there's going to be so many people out there like, well, you could put it on a table. You could put a drain valve on it. You could. All of my grows are like halfway their ideas that were constructed after way too many rosin thingies. So, <laughs> rosin dabs. so like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So like. Fine-tuning in the past happened on the wrong end of the project. Yeah. I've, I've learned my lesson. That's why I'm taking my time with the build-out in New Mexico. This is going to be like, Proper. I'm going to run it for three days before I even put a living being in there kind of scenario. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm just rambling, but you know what I mean, man. <laughs> no, I got you, man, 100%. That's actually something I was going to ask you about next because, like, I'm actually doing a little DWC run now. I haven't okay. run it before in my life, but I'm just starting now because I want to experiment in it, man. And sure. yesterday I, like, was mixing the bucket of newts for the first time and, like, had to take it upstairs, take it back down to the basement. I was like, oh, do uh, I have to do this for, like, four more plants now, dude? Like, yeah. this is crazy, man. So I see where you're coming from with that back problem and stuff dude like it's a lot you're like do i have to do a water change this week can i just top it off and then you're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> can i just get away with being lazy this time your plants should be like no don't don't no, do it don't motherfucker do don't do it <laughs> it's dirty in here <laughs> yes it's pretty dirty i want to be clean i like white roots <laughs> yeah oh, um geez, and man. so um yeah deep water culture is great what kind of questions did you have about it I was just going to ask you, like, if you had any tips or suggestions for any beginner looking to get into DWC, because me, myself, when I was, when I started off, I started off with soil and a lot of people may start off with soil um, and may be a little afraid to dabble in the DWC, the deep water culture. So if sure. you were to give them some tips or some tricks that may help them or just help them get over that hurdle of being afraid, what would you tell them? Great. Yeah. So there's a couple very key things with deep water culture hydroponics specifically that I'll dive into, but all of these can be taken with a grain of salt, but um, um, <laughs> uh, you know, that can be applied to other hydroponic systems. Yeah. And, uh, basically with deep water culture, in my mind, it's so productive because in soil, there are minerals that the plant can utilize. And usually they have to be broken down from a mineral or a salt by an enzyme such as water to be converted into an enzyme that's, you know, absorbable by the plant. It's been 
it's been broken down, it's chelated, whatever term you want to use, it's utilized by the plant in a more efficient way. Yeah. In soil or soilless mediums, even cocoa or rockwool, which is technically hydroponics, any kind of resistance means the plant has to exert more energy to grow roots and push through that medium. That's the way that I think about it and look at it. Yeah. With deep water culture, Actually, let me backtrack one sentence. What is the main point of having roots submerged in soil? Well, they're looking for food and oxygen. Yeah. And so with deep water culture, the only two elements we have in our reservoir is, you know, food, food and oxygen. And oxygen. Yeah. So like <laughs> it's yeah. an aerated water solution that contains the salt mineral that we're feeding to the plant. So I say salt mineral. Um, some people want to stick to organics and they think it's just not, you know, it's not possible with hydroponics. It is. It is absolutely acceptable and, yeah. and very doable in hydroponics, even deep water culture, to run very organic, even like protein foamy solutions. It does work. People get by. But I will mention without a good understanding of, you know, microbial colonies and things that we can utilize within that rhizosphere or the root zone within that reservoir, um, you know, we can have some bad stuff happen. There's slime molds, there's algaes that we don't want, there's microbes that we True. don't want. You know, there's things good and bad microbes. Totally. Bad microbes that can kill our good microbes, just like there's good good bugs that kill bad bugs and vice versa. Yeah. And so there's there's kind of two routes to take within deep water culture hydroponics. You can go a living route or you can go a sterile route. Okay. Personally, I very much appreciate chemistry and I understand its applications and uses. I prefer a sterile route. Okay, so <laughs> well, you're, you're much better than me because I, I sucked at chemistry and I still I'm scared of it, dude. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm like that weirdo that uh, won't remember your name for like three weeks. But if you show me if you show me your credit card once, then I'll know all 16 digits. Oh, I shit, don't know man. why. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like a so, walking periodic table, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but like, um, so my knowledge as far as applications for organic growing, whether it's no-till or organic solutions with microbes and things like HydroGuard, which are just more microbial colonies. Um, I don't really have a lot of information on that for your viewers and I apologize, okay. no, but okay. I, I'd like to talk about the sterile side of things because that's what I spent more than 10 years Absolutely. doing. So when I start with a, with a deep water culture grow, uh, I know I joked about taking dabs and, you know, halfway there progressing things, but like I'm a little OCD about my spaces. So when I start, I'm going to hang my light up in my tent. I'm going to get my fans. I'm going to run it for two days. I'm going to make sure the temperature and the humidity looks cool. Yeah. And I say cool, yeah. like awesome. Great. Yeah. Um, Not like, cool. Needs, like cold. <laughs> it needs to be dope. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it needs to be legit. <laughs> And uh, the next step after running that is to put the hydroponic reservoir in there. And it needs to have hydroton in it. It needs to have water in it. It doesn't have to have nutrients or anything unless you're trying to dial in your pH or PPM. But for somebody that's getting into this, I think it'd be best to split it up into steps. Okay. Focus on your environment. Make sure that your temperature and your humidity is good. Cool. Let's move yeah. on to our medium. If you're wanting to approach hydroponics, all right. Do you have an air pump? Do you have an air stone? Do you have the nutrients you need? Do you have pH up, pH down? For Do you sure. have an enzyme? You know, there's a few things that are very, very key with hydroponics that just make it work. And once it works, it works good. Yeah. So um, run the hydroponic reservoir with the airstone in it for a day. Take a reading of the water temperature. 
if you're getting over 70, 71 degrees, you're going to have some issues if you're going to run organically. Okay. If you have a water chiller or access or the time to drop freezer packs in there every morning before work, you've got an extra freezer and you've got three freezer packs. They last throughout the day. You can drop yeah. them in, Smart. whatever. We all get, you know, we all get creative and make this stuff work. I like, I like the joke that we're all engineers out here. <laughs> yeah. Necessity is the mother of invention. I always say that you need something, you're going to figure out how to get it done, bro. <laughs> yeah. Whether it's a piece or a gross situation, you know, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I've wrapped some foil around a pen a few times when I was a teenager. So like, whatever you do, you do, you do the skate park. That's true. But, um, I, uh, I like to run the hydroponic reservoir and I like to make sure that my temperatures are good. So then the nutrient regime that I want to run, I'll add that. I'll take a base PPM or EC, whatever, whatever reading you're comfortable with reading. It's, this isn't about that. I check my pH and how much salt is in the water. And then I'll check it in 24 hours and I see how much it fluctuates. Okay. So at that PPM, the nutrient that you decided to use, does it have a buffer in it that's good enough to make it stay within that range after 24 hours? How about 72 hours? How about five or seven days? Shit. So, right. So if you can't, if you can't introduce the salt nutrient that you have to that reservoir and have it remain within, you know, I'm not talking like point for point, like 5.1 or 6.1 to 6.1. I'm talking like plus or minus 0.5 within that week yeah. when you're supposed to do that water change. Because if it can't, first and foremost, your water temperature doesn't matter. You're going to run into pH uptake issues and you're going to have sick plants. Correct. So you want to make sure that your reservoir and the area that your reservoir is in, your pH your PPM, your water temperature, and your environment temperature and humidity are all on point. And these are just basic things to be on top of if we want to grow any kind of plant. It doesn't matter if it's daffodils or whatever. Yeah, um, that's true. So when we get into the sterile portion, we basically want to introduce a solution of something into the reservoir that is capable of killing pathogens but not strong enough to kill the roots and yeah. not strong enough to impact them or, or be detrimental to them existing in the, in the region they're supposed to. Okay. There is a product that we all know. You might've fallen on your skateboard as a kid and put it on your knee or whatever. It's called hydrogen peroxide. Yeah. It's H2O2. Hydrogen peroxide is water with an extra oxygen molecule and oxygen is very caustic and corrosive especially in high concentrations, meaning once it oxidizes something, it can, it can turn it into more oxygen. It, it, it evaporates it, it dissolves it, whatever word you want to use. I'm not being scientifically accurate here. Yeah. Um, it keeps things clean. And that's why we put it on our wounds and stuff. And yeah. so at the grow shop, you can buy, well, the bottle you're just playing right now, exactly what I'm talking about, but you see at the top, it says 3%. Yeah. So, you have to dump like that whole bottle into a five gallon reservoir to accomplish what three milliliters of this does or 10 milliliters at the okay. grow shop. They sell a product that is 29% hydrogen peroxide. Very um, good point. Interesting. I never knew that dude. That's a great point. If you get this on your skin, it can it be a little bit your for skin. Sure. Oh, I was going to say <laughs> a little bit corrosive, but that sounds way worse. <laughs> yeah, not like actually, but your skin turns white. It's kind of scary and it stings. It yeah, it would probably suck you up, dude. Like, it's, it's I've not made mistakes. Be... <laughs> yeah. I actually, there's some Instagram, they're buried, but on my Instagram, there's like a whole, you know, my whole finger stained vivid white. Damn. 
and it's it hurt very bad for like two days but um anyways <laughs> wear gloves be safe practice yeah, be, strap up yeah, strap up but you know a couple milliliters of that into several gallons of water it's just like a concentrated nutrient it's concentrated yeah. cleaning solution for your hydroponic reservoir that's amazing um, man it is but i i love h2o2 it's great it's got its applications but as far as what i was doing it wasn't good enough yeah because you have to apply it every two days Okay, I see. I see. So there are a few companies out there. I will use uh, Easy Cloner as one. Like, fuck, or fucking like 10, 15 years ago, they came out with badass cloners, thick plastic, thick foam rings. Yeah. Man, just like the best cloner you can get. Everything sold today is just thin and flimsy in comparison that I've seen so far. And um, they sold a product called Clear res r-e-z i think for for reservoir and it's basically something that they sold as you know something to add to your cloner so that when your plants root it keeps the roots nice and vivid and white and clean it keeps pathogens off of them yes that's it right there so humor me here how much is a 16 ounce bottle of that a 16 ounce bottle is 21.99 Perfect. So that's what I bought my first bottle of clear res for at the grow shop. Exactly. Actually, it was at retail. Okay. And then nice. I looked at the main ingredient of it. Yeah. And I, so I let you know, I like chemistry and, you know, if you're going to be doing real chemistry, probably not your kitchen, but as far as something like this goes, I'm okay with it. I'm comfortable doing it in my home. Yeah. I found that the free base version. So basically hypochlorous acid is the main, main chemical. Okay. In clear res. Yeah. Um, that is also what is sold as a salt or a calcium derivative for swimming pools. It okay. is a product called Pool Shock. Ooh, um, interesting. Basically, you can buy a bag of it for $4. And the conversion rate that I use is one gram per gallon of RO water. And then five ounces of that sol- or one ounce of that solution per five gallons of reservoir water. But this was $4 and I can make 20,000 gallons of clear red with it. Shit, dude. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. So you literally went, got the main ingredient and that, that works, man. Clear res. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did there. Man, that's awesome, dude. So that actually works just just in the same way as all the other um, branded or labeled products, right? Correct, correct. And so I purchased a magnetic stirrer off of Amazon, which is a very common tool in, in a lab. Yeah. And I, I, did I see measure that. It's, it stirs it up uh, without you having to actually stir it. Right. You don't have to touch it. Yeah, yeah. I put it in a Pyrex beaker. It's got a magnetic stirrer. You just spin a little knob. It turns it on. It spins it around. It makes it a little cool. Yeah. Tornado. I saw that on your Instagram. It looks dope. The little tornado yeah. just spinning. He's like, I don't, I can't remember what the caption was, but it was like, um, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't uh, hand, hand mix anymore. <laughs> I don't yeah, have and time I do that for that. For like my big reservoirs, I'll take the conversion for like some salt nutrients that come as a powder and I'll, I'll measure out like 50 gallons worth for my 55 gallon res. And I'll yeah. just mix it like in one liter on my magnetic stir. And I'll just dump that small jar of concentrate okay. into my big reservoir. But same thing for that clear red stuff. I mix it. I make it by the gallon. And then in my deep water culture reservoirs, I run one ounce of that solution per every five gallons of water. So for each bubble bucket, you know, I go a little strong and I just throw a shot glass full in each bubble bucket for a really long time. And 
I didn't run water chillers for years. I didn't keep my rooms like hot or anything. My rooms were like between 70, 75 degrees, black buckets, black net pot lids, air yeah. stones that weren't too aggressive and didn't create like crazy heat, but enough to like froth the water. Yeah. I'll and then it. my base nutrient, uh, SLF 100 or Canazyme are my two preferred enzymes. Okay. These are awesome. I, I recommend both. Um, SLF 100 though, doesn't have an N NPK rating. NPK stands for nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. You see it on any fertilizer bottle. Yeah. I noticed that the canazyme does. So it does contribute some bloom bonuses. It's zero okay. nitrogen, a little bit of phosphorus, a little bit of potassium. But I'm okay with that because the plant utilizes both of those minerals throughout its whole entire life. Yeah. So regardless, you want to make sure that you're using an enzyme. Why? Because yeah, I was there's just organic... about to ask that. What's the importance <laughs> of using an enzyme? Yeah. So there's organic material that builds up in the reservoir, even if it's sterile. It might be dead. It might be living, whatever. Enzymes help break that material down. And that's that collected stuff you see at the bottom of the reservoir over like a long period of time. Yeah. When you introduce an enzyme, it does it immediately. And so yeah. that's a benefit. You're going to keep your water a little bit more clean and clear of organic material your clear res is going to kill anything that's living. So basically you have inert clumps of material that just needs dumped with your water changes once a week, right? Yeah, so sense. Even furthermore, in deep water culture, as the plants get bigger, this is a fine line we walk, but the bigger the airspace between the top of the water line and the bottom of the net pot, the more productive the plant can be. So your roots are in this region. Here's yeah. the water level and here's the bottom of the net pot. Yeah. The more that you bridge that gap, uh, you start going into territory of shallow water culture, which, in my opinion, is much more productive than deep water culture. Okay. But you have to keep in mind, if you're keeping a gallon of water in a five-gallon bucket with a plant that drinks three gallons a night, not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. Gonna you have just got to think about you're what you're doing. Helicopter parenting. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, with that as the plant draws salt through the roots in that huge space, that's cool. Everything absorbed through the roots is, is fed to the plant yeah. with that constant frothing. There's salt in that water. You'll get literal buildup on all those roots Yeah. with an enzyme. I dump some in through the top of the net pot to wash the roots occasionally in like a weak enzyme RO solution. It, it prevents salt buildup. That enzyme, not only does it kill and deteriorate organic, or not kill, but deteriorate and clump up organic material, but it'll also help you wash salts off. So you're not going to get salt buildups. When you have yeah. salt coating your roots, it doesn't matter what the pH of the water is. That salt has its own pH and can cause pH swings and lockouts and, and hot spots. Yeah, man, that's some amazing information there, dude. I just realized like there's a lot I still need to learn about DWC and <laughs> I'm running into this maybe a little bit blind. So I'm glad I made you as a friend with a lot of DWC knowledge, dude. That's yeah. amazing. I'm your source, man. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm, I'm going to be hitting you up like, dude, something just happened. I need your help. Dude, what do I do about this? Dude, what's happening? Like, how do I yeah. fix this? <laughs> <laughs> and so those two components the clear res and the enzyme to me, to answer your question, um, since I went on a long tangent, what are some things that new growers really need? Uh, they need to make sure their parameters are good. They need to make sure their water temps are, you know, appropriate. They don't have to be spot on 67, 68 degrees, which is pretty ideal. Um, the colder your water gets to an extent, the more oxygen you can fit into the water as well. But 
you know, if you're going to get up into those 70, 72 degree ranges, you're going to want something in there to aid that bacterial growth, brown slime algae, slime mold algae, stuff like, or slime algae, whatever, you know, all that stuff thrives in like 69, 70 degree water and up. And so you, you create a dark, warm water, oxygen filled area. Sure. It's feeding those roots, but that's also a very ideal zone for nasty, nasty things. that will kill your plant to grow. And so that's why I emphasize the importance of running a sterile reservoir. If you're going to do deep water culture. If in, in my opinion, in my opinion only, if you want to run organic, I would rather do it in like a no-till fabric bed or something. Yeah. It's just, it's just to me more straightforward. It's going to be a more successful approach. You can definitely experiment. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of it, but like just for me, it's, it's a little uphill. It's a little daunting. I wouldn't advise it for somebody without prior knowledge. Yeah. And so we've got our clean, our cleanliness address, um, whatever base newt you know, you want to use, we address that a little bit too. make sure it's got a good pH buffer in it. And then lastly, you want to make sure that maybe you don't want to run it personally. I run silica, um, where it's derived from is important. Monosilicic acid is the source that it should be derived from. I personally use power Okay. Nice. Yeah. And then because it was on sale and it is also derived from monosilicic acid, um, I also bought a bunch of psycho silica. Okay. And so that's good stuff you're showing there, man. Yeah. And so chemically speaking, they're not different, but with power when I add it to the reservoir, I can actually physically visibly see a change in the reservoir. It starts frothing like a head on a beer. Yeah. And the psycho doesn't do that. And so even though I know that um, they're like chemically similar, if not identical, with different concentrations, I run the psycho in veg and I run the power side in flower just because. Okay. Whether okay. it's the marketing that got me yeah. or the effect of the foam, that's how I do it. <laughs> yeah. So is there like any benefit of having the foam over no foam or? No, I just like the way it looks. And, I, and it, it's actually, I like the way it looks because to me, it's visually doing something. Um, also, I guess just to note as well, it is said that silica will bond to the first thing it touches first and foremost. So silica is the first thing added to the reservoir. Always. Okay. Okay. And so okay. when I add psycho very first, no foam. When I add silica, I see all this foam. I see a reaction. The, the reservoir looks carbonated. I'm like, there is a chemical change going on there. They're like a, you know what yeah, I mean? Like something sure. is bonding there. There's an ionic sure. bond happening. And yeah. so I can visually see it. And so to me, I'm kind of like, that's the most appropriate thing in flower. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Well, that's some awesome knowledge, dude. Like, thank you so much for that. But I just want to shift gears a little bit and move on to a segment that I like to call the Know Your Bud segment. Now, this was not on the outline that I asked you, but I wanted it to be like straight off the bat and get your like instant reactions, right? So I'm pretty much <laughs> just going to ask you a couple questions um, and you pick one right. and tell me why, right? It's, it's the lightning it, round. No right or wrong answers. Literally just what you do and what you prefer and why you choose that one, right? Fun. Okay, so first off, we got paper towel or glass of water method. Okay, so I couldn't hear you cut out. Oh, sorry, dude. Uh, First question we got is paper towel or glass of water method. Uh, Can I say neither? 
Yeah, you can actually. <laughs> Neither. I play it right into the medium. Yeah, that's actually. I keep saying that's going to be a question. That I, I I gotta add on there. I gotta add that as an option. But I just I've like actually, to have. Uh, I've got OCD a little bit, man. So I like to have it as two and two and two. I know this is supposed to be fast, but just very quickly <laughs> to answer, I would pick a cup of water because with the paper towel, I put it in a Ziploc bag with a, a pretty pricey pack of seeds, and I came back and the whole thing was like molded out. My fault, ah. sure. But will I ever do it again? Heck no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I started off actually with the glass of water method, but now I just go straight into the soil. It moves so quick, man. I, I poke it down to like my first knuckle on my pinky. I drop it, light cover, water it in. And it's already wet medium, but I like water in additionally just a little bit or like a pipette full, you know? Yeah, I got you. I think I'm going to add the uh, straight into the soil as an answer on that first question. Yeah, man. that's what I, <laughs> I got to do that. <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people ask for it, man. But next yeah. one, we've got feminized or regulars. Regs, I breed. Uh, simple answer. <laughs> I like that one. Um, hydro or soil? If it's not hydro, it's dirt. Uh, true. <laughs> I like that <laughs> one. <laughs> I love that one, man. All right. Photo periods or out of flowers? Photos. Why? Because I'm weird, and everybody that I know that grows out of flowers makes me look normal. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, I like photo periods because I like to be able to control when they go into flower. Sometimes it's not an ideal situation or scenario. And like if an auto flower is just going to do its thing, yeah. then it's going to do its thing. I also love cloning. It's one of my favorite things to do in the garden. Yeah, doesn't make same. sense with autos. So photo periods. Okay. I got you. Makes a lot of sense why I choose that. Uh, yeah. Synthetic or organic? Synthetic. Okay. I got you. Why? Because it's DWC? Um, I like synthetic because while... There are benefits to growing organically that I do understand that it's a natural environment. There's a lot of organic things that are very comforting and pleasing and you're appropriate, you know, you feel are appropriate to consume a smokable medicine that is grown organically. But the thing is, is a lot of the organic minerals are still within those organic beds as a salt form. And if they're synthetically derived in a laboratory or mined out of the ground, tilled up, eaten by worms, yeah. shitted out as a salt crystal, I personally don't see the difference in cutting out a few steps in the organic game. Yeah. Um, all those little microorganisms, I don't need them. I can synthetically derive salt in the lab or have somebody yeah. do it for me and purchase it. So I'd rather Makes go sense. that route. And then I know where it's derived from. I know it's chemically pure and I know exactly what I'm feeding my plant. With organics, uh, there's potential disease barriers that are broken. If a leaf Facts. is laying on the ground in an organic no-till, then that's just a... A ladder right up to the plant you know now you yeah. got pathogens and yeah. i like sterile i like clean i like synthetic i just yeah i want clean medicine that tests good and yeah. organic to me is still a little dirty there's poop there's shit everywhere yeah it's like, true <laughs> a lot of it is shit dude <laughs> but you really yeah, think yeah, about I know. it a lot of it is shit and <laughs> actually a lot of people shit, use like filler shit. as well so you might think that you're getting this like bad guano or chicken shit and stuff but it's actually a lot of filler in there as well just to, and like, where was the where was the bad guano harvested from and how did they yeah, harvest it? Was it sustainably harvested what kind of equipment did they use to harvest it was it diesel equipment what type of bat is it is it a fruit eating bat or not like what is it Right. What was its main diet? Are we impacting the pollinization of fruit trees in an area that because you're taking guano from bats that don't just wipe out mosquito populations like we should be utilizing around here? But yeah. then their poop might be diseased because mosquitoes are transmitters. So it's like there's a lot of variables and what ifs and basically stuff that I'm I'm admittedly ignorant about because I haven't educated myself on. 
So like, that's why I don't even feel comfy talking about organic stuff. I've read on it. I've even grown organically. Um, I've tried a lot of different stuff, but like, have I sat down and textbook studied like I have with deep water culture or synthetics? Nah, man. Yeah. But that's awesome, man. That's uh, some fantastic points you've got there. Yeah. Organic may sound awesome, but when you really think about it, there's a lot of variables that come into play with organics. And so if you know what you're doing, cool. You can definitely grow some like killer terpy medicine because we all know the oils are there with good organic. Yeah. So like I get it, but not for me. Awesome, man. So next question I've got is wet trim or dry trim? Wet trim. I don't like trichomes bouncing off when it's dry, knocking them all around, losing stuff. Even if you're over a trim bin, you're still shooting stuff in the air. I prefer to take everything that doesn't contain sugar off. I put it in a hanging basket, which is actually just off to the right of me. I've got a few of those. Okay. And then I just let them chill in the baskets. I rotate them sometimes. But yeah. because I leave that little buffer of leaf, that starts to lie flat. Yeah. But my nug is never the, touched. Yeah. I got and you. So, I got you. I got yeah, you. That's like breeze. a little pillow. Yeah. And so basically, uh, I eliminate most trimming by doing that all in wet. And then once it's hung and ready to go into jars, I do the final manicure dry in a trim bin because then I'll dry sift that, run it through dry ice shaker and then press it into rosin. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, you know, I don't waste trichomes. I'm not shooting stuff everywhere. And then honestly, I know there's a lot of people that say, hang a whole plant and, you know, do your 60, 60 dry humidity temperature cure and everything. And I get it. It's turp preservation, but like, and I know we're going to talk about it soon, but I, I freeze whole plants and then um, <laughs> I manicure nugs and hang those. And stuff. Like, That's intense, man. <laughs> the method to the madness, though, is all for a reason. Totally. <laughs> um, all right. Bong or joint? Bong. Uh, I figured so, man. Monster the concentrated king over here, man. He's, he's got to go with the bongs, man. All right. Uh, edibles or vapes? Dabbing is vaping, so vapes. Okay, okay, makes sense. Well, like I said, he's the concentrate king, so that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Um, well, that's it for the Know Your Bud segment, man. That's pretty much a uh, little segment that helps me and the viewers get to know you. And, you know, everyone that comes on the show, I like to say, is my bud. So I just yeah. like to get to know my bud. You can find me wet trimming, taking bong rips. <laughs> 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 running in dwc yeah yeah trimming my synthetics my hydro <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude oh man this is so much fun dude all right i uh i've um i've noticed that you run quite a bit of the ethos genetics man a lot of colin stuff yeah. and i'm a huge fan of ethos and and ethos genetics and colin as well so what's the favorite strain too. you've grown so far like can you tell me a little bit about how that's been for you yeah man so um i let me see let me, let me reflect on this just briefly because I can't remember the first time I stumbled upon ethos where or why, but basically I'd grown a few of their strains and uh, this was time frames a blank to me, but I started posting a bunch of pictures and tagging ethos and the seed bank that I got it from, which was get seeds right here. Yeah, from like a while back, dude. Like I seen you had like the cheesy poofs in the OG packages and stuff like the yeah. old, old packaging and stuff. Yeah, and cool, cool strains and stuff that I still have cuts of. I keep cuts of everything Dope. and um, like everything that I can. You know? <laughs> Dope. Gotta do it, man. Like that end game and stuff that's all you were running, man. Like some of those turned out perfect too. Yeah. So um, I ran some of their older cool stuff, not like old, old OG stuff. Like, like I, I uh, got some snowball dabs. I think that was like the second or third strain that Colin ever released. 
that stuff put me to sleep. It's tasty. It's killer. I wish <laughs> I would have known him that long ago so I could have grown uh, those. Plants. Damn, man, yeah. Colin is just like, I don't know, man. He's he's uh he's taking the time to really invest in his understanding of the plant. I feel like, and how it operates, how it breeds. He's um, constantly looking into new methods of how to create feminized seeds or altering or making, you know, little adjustments to proven methods, just to make them that much better and productive. And And more stable. Yeah, for sure. Their, their fems are good. Their rigs are good. And so I had a really good experience just as a, as a full price retail customer. I purchased back online Paid yeah. full price. I planted it. I had good germ rates. The weed was good. Um, <laughs> you know, sorry. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. Dude. And, uh, you know, like everything was good. I was happy about it. There's, you know, my regular holdups or whatever issue I had with that particular grow, but yeah. like nothing that Ethos did. So I ordered again. And then when I started tagging them online and stuff, um, Colin at the time was looking for a tester round for some stuff. And, uh, I was emailing back and forth with bike of get seeds right here. Yeah. And he said, Hey man, your plants don't really look like other people's. Would you want to have an opportunity to be a tester? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. yeah sure. I, would. <laughs> I would appreciate so, that. <laughs> yeah. I literally harassed him for like three weeks. Like, Hey, did you send him? Did you send him yet? Did you send him? <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <laughs> yeah. I was that dude. Don't be that dude. And, uh, <laughs> but the seeds came and, Man, I uh, I planted every single thing that I could fit in my grow space at the time, and I just got pheno hunting and testing and not and yeah. notating, taking pictures and stuff. And uh, they liked what they saw, but um, I I annoy people, so I don't know if I like talk too much sometimes or whatever. But like, I tend to uh, get excited, and so I think I got under somebody's skin, and I tested for a while, but they were tired of getting like every three hour updates. I'm sure, and so. <laughs> they've got like grow diaries and stuff and you can just post it on grow diaries or whatever (laughs) (laughs) and say hey check it out on grow diaries dude i want to talk to people and like sometimes i'll you know like it's hard for me to understand that some people just don't want to talk to me as bad as i want to talk to them and uh like that's okay but anyways um i tested for a while and i love the plants and i was just very very impressed and then when lovin came out and she was working like with some of his peach crescendos and stuff Oh, it's like, I got to get my hands on those. She started playing with star dog and a couple others that Colin had like the blueberry muffin, Bubba, the blueberry Obama and like some really dope, dope stuff. And, Shit. um, I got a tester uh, bike. Let me know that they weren't going to proceed with releasing it. He said, do whatever you want, sell clones, you know, whatever. And so yeah. I was like, I'm going to run it into a breeding program. It was, uh, it was a blueberry muffin, Bubba, cross to mendocino purple that colin hit with his mandarin sunset that really put him on the map yeah like back in the day i can't remember i think high times or some some big magazine highlighted his mandarin sunset as just like the strain of all strains at that time and that i think that's really a big pivotal piece of like wow that dude has good plants you know like i need those seeds and um and so right now the strain that i made with that graves ots tester from ethos I hit it with my blue dream star dog and I call it go tell them because Ah, go tell them comes from like, you know, you don't even, they need to see it for themselves. Go tell them. Yeah. Just (laughs) go tell them. Say no more fam. Just go tell them. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And so, uh, my tester, um, 
he posts all the time. I don't know if you follow him, Jabberwocky Life on Instagram. He runs pretty much explicitly mine and exotic Mike's genetics okay. right now. Yeah. And uh, the go tell him that he grew it is like something that I almost can't even fathom growing myself. And I'm like, wait, I bred that plant. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow, beautiful. Man, that's Stinky, amazing. loud, stacks, yeah. good weight. Like, ugh. beautiful. Yeah, that's man. Fantastic, man. And and so, that's some esteemed company as well. Like, if he's growing uh, only your strains and exotic mic, like, I love exotic mic stuff. Me too. I actually had a misunderstanding about who he was. I listened to the dude grows the other night and found out he was a. Uh, he was in the IT field for a while. I'm a computer science major, you know, so like I didn't realize that about him. Okay, so, that makes sense because he's always like posting about NFTs and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's on it, you know. Yeah. He's like a he's a IT guy from California. I thought he was maybe like shit, man. He's a smart guy. He's just playing yeah. out here. <laughs> uh, makes sense. Yeah. So long story short, um, I bought their seeds, I tested their seeds, and then I bred with their seeds. Everything that I've bred with their strains, whether it's something I bought off of Get Seeds right here or, you know, something that I got and yeah. was able to use has just been winners. Awesome. And I'm not trying to piggyback on their glory by any means, but if I'm going to go through the time and effort to create seeds, I'm obviously going to grow them myself. Yeah. And if it's a plant that I love and I feel like something that I've taken the time to pheno hunt and I love would contribute to that. Like I, I really love this, uh, this grape Zots, but it has no weight whatsoever. Well, cool. I'm going to hit it with the blue dream star dog yeah. male and that blue dream. It's a SoCal champ, bro. And those things grow easy. They get big. They smell good. Yeah. Star dogs, the same. It can stack very aggressively. And so those plants, they get big and they stink good and they look good and they're pretty stable. Um, I'm actually in the process of working through and taking it down further into the line. I'm working a back cross line of it, but it's a ways out. As you know, if you guys have any understanding of like the actual process with, you know, stabilizing, back crossing, yeah. working through pheno hunting. It I takes mean, a lot. there's so much work that goes into even just creating, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, oh, there's all these pollen chuckers out there releasing untested F1s and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. That's a really derogatory term. That's awesome. But like it, it still took them time and energy and money and nutrients and they bought seeds or clones or yeah. they found bag of seeds. They planted them. They grew them. They wasted a four by four space or whatever. I was just about to say created a dedicated space or wasted Dude, your space. Personally, I grab like, you know, two to four pounds depending on genetics from a four by four or five by five space on very good dialed in runs. So like to, to, Wash that. wash that away and just to get seed production and potentially just to have people tell you you're an f1 pollen chucker that's yeah. a big commitment bro that's yeah. a big commitment Fact. and i respect anybody that's willing to dedicate space to breeding yeah. whether it's in the wrong way or the right way because they're either learning from it or they're contributing positively to the community yeah. and either in my mind is a benefit yeah hell yeah man i love that man i fully agree with you and i endorse everything you just said dude yeah dude i'm uh i'm very much an a-type personality and in my in my high school days and stuff i played like some competitive sports and i can be competitive and with an a-type personality comes well me i'm a little i'm a little pessimistic and I, I can be a little condescending so my biggest thing in like the last five years and, and especially trying to immerse myself in this culture which is supposed to be about community and and growth exactly. and healing people with medicine yeah. i don't want to be pretentious or condescending yeah i don't want to throw people under the bus to elevate myself if somebody wants to run around and say that a breeder only produces hermes or they're a pollen chucker or their their genetics aren't quality 
why don't you take the time if you're going to hyper fixate on the negative aspects of it and try maybe to do it yourself. educate them you know yeah. if you feel like you're in a position where you could do it so much better you have so much more yeah. insight take the time to be a positive impact on the community and educate people on proper breeding practices and, and how to grow the plant, do things like this, get in the public like you're doing for the community yeah. and introduce them to people like me who are happy to talk about the knowledge I have. Will anybody get something out of this or, or gain knowledge? I really hope so, but it's not a guarantee. And I'd way rather have a positive spin on it versus like, yeah, check out my seeds. Everybody's just a pollen chalk and wannabe, and I grow the best. I only buy $800 seed packs to hunt and blah, blah, blah. Like, cool, <laughs> no, bro, dude. but, like, I'm just doing me right now. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think, honestly, a lot of people have gotten a lot of information so far from this video. Like, you've honestly dropped a bunch of gems, man. So thank, thank you, dude. Like, no, it's not you. it's not honestly that easy to come on and just, like, speak as freely as you are. Because, like, I was even speaking with someone just recently. And while the kind of community is very supportive, a lot of people support each other a lot of people also gatekeep a lot of information out here yeah a lot of people don't like to share their techniques or share how they do things there's, because they want the best for themselves there's three dudes on a discord right now um and i won't name names or say which discord but like they're going around saying that i uh purchased white label seeds from spain and stuff and that's the only way i get my seeds and then one other dude said that his best friend actually grows the seeds for me and breeds them and i'm just i i basically replied with well can you introduce me to who bred all of these wonderful plants please because they're magnificent yeah. and i left it at that yeah. you know like because i it's not something i have the time to do like yeah, i kind of entertain but... that shit dude yeah <laughs> stupid fools <Okay>. in <laughs> <laughs> <And> other news <laughs> anyway. right well, you know, but the point i'm making is there's a lot of shade thrown in this and um People are people, you know, if we get into disagreements with each other or we don't like the practices that one genetics company is doing, then just move on. There's thousands of guys out there trying to make seeds and contribute in a positive way. Yeah. Just move on. Like if just you have something positive to say, just don't say nothing. Just move on. Just keep scrolling. Yeah. Keep yeah. on scrolling. And, and I'm not and I'm not I'm not a hypocrite. I know I have my I have my points. Like like I said, I can be condescending and I can I can look at other girls and be like, What are you doing? I'm yeah. like, no, dude, that's not right. That's just not the right way to approach this. Anything else, fine, whatever. But, like, this is a special thing, and it should be treated like that. Facts. Facts. Yeah. All right, dude, that's awesome. But I just – I noticed that you also experimented with, like, the flood and drain technique. Um, that's something that I am not 100% familiar with, and it is something I wanted to ask, but I kind of skipped past a little bit before. Yeah, yeah. So can you just yeah. tell us a little bit about the flood and drain technique? Sure, yeah, just to piggyback on all the hydro talk. Back in the day, um, I met this older cat. He was uh, really into like clandestine growing. He had a really nice big space set up in his basement. It was uh, four lights and a string. And there was like an analog pool timer and some sawhorses, a reservoir underneath, and a four by four flood table on the top of the sawhorses. Okay. And basically these trays were just packed lips, lip to lip with like half gallon pots, black nursery pots. Yeah. And then filled with cut up rock wool. And then they had okay. a single clone rooted into it. Yeah. And basically the premise between those tables is, is very simple. The reservoir in the bottom holds the water. And then there's a pump on in it in the bottom with a straw or a tube or hose that goes up to that table. Okay. And, and then there's a float valve level that allows the water to drain. And so with all those pots in those tables, you can pack sea of green style, not screen of green, but sea of green, which was the old school technique before yeah. trellis got really hot. And that's just packing your spaces very tight. Whether you put a stake on the plant or whatever, it's sea green just to fill wall to wall. And so he was doing that with these tables 
and he'd run strains like DJ Shore Blueberry that was just like single single column cola indica, very dense. And he'd pull crazy weight for like crazy weight. Single-ended high-pressure sodium, 4 by 4 flood table, packed full of pots, full of chopped up rock wool with clones rooted into him. And the nutrient solution just floods up and then floods back down in the reservoir. Exactly. And then as that water floods up to the top table, the rock wool saturates. Okay. And then your timer is based on how long it takes your rock wool to dry back. So, okay. yeah, I sit there. And I'm like, it's 2 o'clock. It just flooded. I come back at 3 rock will still wet come back at four rock will still wet come back at 4 30 it's like whoa that's feeling a little dry cool the pump kicks on at 4 30 again so it's two and a half hour increments okay nice you know I mean? man that's so yeah. that's like clockwork now it's like clockwork yeah and then you just walk away set it and forget it yeah make sure your reservoir is filled with nice ph ppm set nutrient solution make sure your lights on a timer make sure there's no light leaks make sure your room's not getting too hot golden <laughs> okay i got you man that's awesome dude that's awesome yeah. another knowledge bomb dropped like is this like the same thing as the uh ebb and flow system is it just a different name or is the ebb and flow slightly different yeah so a lot of people get ebb and flow confused with nft nutrient film technique is like those long channels you see that they grow lettuce in kind of staggered yeah. net pot style yeah, yeah um those are channels with a reservoir that run a film of nutrient film through them ebb and flow i believe is flood and drain it's just another word for it it may yeah. be like a small intricacy within the system but it's another one of those things uh i haven't really dove in and like um classified that for myself yeah, or clarified that for similar, myself so i just thought i'd ask because it literally looks pretty similar based on uh the the diagram i just showed you guys sure but... and i say a lot of people but me personally for a long time thought that uh ebb and flow was nft but nft is nft Okay, yeah. And yeah. NFTs is not the NFTs with uh, non-fungible tokens we're talking about here. Guys. Correct. <laughs> yeah, nutrient film technique. You take a six-inch PVC tube and you cut like a hundred three-inch holes in it and shove net pots in it. And then you run water creek style through it. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Pretty and um, I've even seen people run like high-pressure yeah. NFT systems. Dude, those things are crazy. <laughs> like fast-moving water, but not fast enough to like rip roots off. For whatever reason, the agitation, like the moving water, creates just so much oxygen and whatever. It's just the plants like it; they really like it. Oh man, that's interesting. I never even actually knew about the NFT hydroponic system or technique, rather. But uh, yeah. I just googled it, so I just learned something new, man. That's pretty interesting. I personally designed a hybrid NFT aeroponic system. Uh, instead of it's an NFT channel, but instead of running just liquid through the tube. I installed a half inch PVC sprayer line with aero, aero sprayers. So it sprays aeroponically inside the NFT tube instead of running the water solution. So oh. instead of that water at the base of the plants, yeah. just picture a tube with like cloner sprayers, same reservoir, same pump. Everything oh, same. I got you. Just I a high you. pressure line. Awesome. I got you. That's, that's dope. That's freaking dope, man. And that's actually something I was going to ask you next. It's well, similar. It's about the, uh, your cloning process. Cause I see you got a nice cloner set up and you got some awesome roots that come out of that. So can you tell me a little bit about your cloning process? Definitely. So with my cloning process, like I let you know earlier, I really love cloning. Yeah. I practice it, uh, at least twice a week and I practice in arrow as well as plugs yeah, uh, I even I even root into like other systems, um, deep water culture style cloners and stuff, non-aero cloners. It's fun and yeah. it's worth having because the only way like a commercial size grower, even a productive home continuous cycle grow works is with cloning. True, and, true. Um, you know, like it's an invaluable piece. And so 
the way that I get my clones so clean and crisp and the roots so nice in my arrow and stuff is uniformity okay. and, and being OCD about it. Um, are you familiar with white truffle or bee leaf? Mm, yeah, the white truffle, but not the other one. So bee leaf is the breeder, pheno hunter, grower who found white truffle from Fresh Coast. Okay. And uh, I was running into some issues with my grow and I was looking for work and he was hiring. And so long story short, like he flew me out to Oklahoma. I got to meet <laughs> Dope, him. I got to tour his fuck? facilities. And for half an hour, bee leaf himself sat there with me and taught me all of the little intricacies that he does with cloning, how he likes it, how his preferred method is. And with the magnitude of cuttings that he moves, that's somebody that I want to listen to. And so I've (sighs) taken all of my practices that I've found over the years, plus his fine tuning and like little things that I just like, for whatever reason, didn't think about, you know, new set of eyes kind of stuff. Um, And so, yeah, uniformity. I like to make sure that every single cut is the exact same height. I like to make sure that they all have a horticulturist cut on the bottom, which is a nice angled cut to give it a more broad surface. I also like to cut that right below a node that I'm cutting off. So you have an extra source that's open so it can root a little bit easier. There's no hard skin for that cloning gel or water to penetrate through. That's already been sliced open. And so I like uniformity. Um, A lot of people that run arrow cloners, I've noticed they dip it into the gel and then they put it into the arrow cloner. And to me, that's not enough time for the plant to absorb the hormone and whatever else is in the rooting gel. It washes off pretty quickly, right? Yeah. And so the biggest thing that's been my success is like, if you're going to take some dabs, like I like to every night and you want (laughs) to do some cloning, I'll cut all my clones and I'll dip them in rooting gel and then I'll go take my dabs for 20 minutes and then I'll come back and plug them into the arrow cloner. Smart, smart. Because then they're, they're protected. You know, they've got that gel surrounding the fresh wound. It's yeah. not healed yet. It's not rooted. It is a wound. Yeah. And so it's, it's safe, it's but cut. it's also absorbing that gel. You know, yeah. it's got time to actually utilize the product that we just spent money on. Facts. And so <laughs> like, and sometimes if you're buying Clonex or the, some of that purple gel, you know, like that's a cheap, little pricey. Bro. Yeah. 30 bucks for a little bottle. I'm going to yeah. make sure I'm using it correctly. Yeah. And there, there are directions as far as I can remember on that one. And root tech is the other one I use, which is the orange gel. I like the purple and the orange gels. And, um, I don't think any of their, in bottles say wait 20 to 30 minutes i think it just says cut it dip it and insert it into your cube or your cloner and and honestly doing that my wilt rate has gone down tremendously man that's an amazing point because i actually got a little cloner as well you could probably see it somewhere in the back here but i dipped it into the clonex and then put it into the cloner and i just Just looked at it and it and it just it just fell off man like it went into the water and just sank to the bottom and i was like okay well that didn't make sense so that's a great point you definitely gotta just let it set in for a little bit and if um you're in a time crunch and you're in a more scenario you know like i need to get cuttings off of this mother plant tonight but i just don't have the energy to you know do the whole cloning process start to finish like sterilize a scalpel or you know whatever your actual process is um Personally, I think that it also really helps if you can let them, if it's not cloning gel, uh, I take all my cuts 
I don't even do any of my trim work or cleanup work. I just throw them in a glass of RO water. Yeah. That way they can absorb that water and they can acclimate to being separated from their source or their, yeah. you know, their mother. And, um, and then that way they can kind of sit and acclimate being off the vine. And then the next day, if you come in, dip them in gel, still let them sit yeah. 15 minutes and then you're ready for your cloning process and you're going to get way less wilt. Um, it's, it's been proven in clinic or not clinical, but in studies and trials that if a plant wilts, it has to exert energy to fix the wilt before it will exert energy to produce roots. Yeah. So if a clone wilts, it's already an uphill battle to getting it to root. Yeah. So the more you can avoid that initial wilt or shock, the better. And I'm not talking about like a droop from being cut off that goes away after 12 hours. I'm talking about wilting, yeah. you know, like where it's like yeah. sad. Yeah. And the plant has to exert energy to fix itself or it just won't root. Yeah. And more often than point. not, they, uh, they can't fix themselves in time to produce roots. And then that organic material sitting in the cube becomes soft and deteriorates. And, and yeah, it, just sort of rots away. It turns into bacteria for your cloner. Yeah, so. it's not fun at all. But that's yeah. an awesome point, man, because I've actually got cuttings from like homies and I've like had to go and do stuff and I wasn't able to go home. And I just popped it into like a little bottle of water. I put it in my car. I drove around, ran all my errands and everything. And then when I got home, maybe the next day I'll be like, OK, let me clone this, pop it in and do it like the old school way. Humidity dome, no aero, aeroponics or anything. And it's still rooted, man. So it goes to show yeah. that once you're able to like take care of your cutting a lot of the times you can get it to root yeah yeah for sure i think it's really important though dude. there's like those little those little things you know it's like there's 47 steps but if you forget step 14 the whole process fails <laughs> yeah it will <laughs> fail and you won't be happy about it you definitely right, won't be happy about it What's the dollar amount of, you know, a clone's potential of, of dollar or even just smokable medicine or True. like whatever, you know, whatever yeah. it is, it's tangible effort. Yeah. And it, like that little cutting can turn into like great stuff. Like there are times like I would literally even get a little cutting from other plants, like take, for example, some basil or basil and that'll root. I'll just pop it in some water and that'll grow roots, you know, and sure. don't let it go to waste. Yeah, exactly. It's all valuable. Yeah, dude. Now, there was another question I wanted to ask you. It's about the Levo 2 machine. I think I may be pronouncing it right, or maybe if I'm not, you can tell me. But it seems that it makes some dope topicals as well as some edibles. So how does that work? Can you tell me about that? Absolutely. So there are a few machines out there. I think it's technically classified as a plant decarboxylator. Ooh, and interesting. Yeah. And so to make edibles a lot of us know you take plant material and you have to get it to a certain temperature for a certain amount of time to convert some stuff so it's actually usable when you ingest it otherwise it just won't work and so the levo does that for me basically it's wi-fi enabled Ooh, it's got a little crock pot in the top a heating element and like that little magnetic stirrer i was telling you about yeah that i mix my nutrients that has one built into it and so you add your material into this little it's like a stainless steel cup it's got holes in it and silicone lids and you fill it with your material and you put it in the little crock pot close the lid and you set it to uh, activate which is the decarboxylation and so it runs it yes exactly that cup right there and then the little circular thing in front of it is actually the magnetic stirrer okay. and then the two long pieces are the caps for that metal container you fill it with your material okay nice 
Yeah, and so you stick that on, it magnetically attaches to the crock pot, all nice and neat, tidy, tucked up into the lid, and uh, you hit activate. And so it runs its activation cycle, and then you've got activated material, plant material in there. And so you open it back up, and it's just like a little, I don't know the exact volume, I'd say it's approximately 0.75 liters. Um, you dump your oil in there, and you hit infuse, and you set your time and your temperature, and then that little magnetic stirrer starts Shit, the heater and it mixes all that oil through, <laughs> uh, through that little pod on the wall. And after two hours or whatever, you come back, there's a teardrop button. I don't know if you can zoom in on it on the front of the machine underneath yeah. the touch display. And, uh, you press that teardrop and you set your cup underneath it on the platform and it yeah, dispenses the, the infused liquid into your cup. This is just, dope, man. What, yeah. is, what am I hearing, dude? This is awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and so, like, I've been making a lot of gummy bears and brownies and um, anything I can think of, you know, biscotti, like, some pancakes, just anything that you can infuse with oil or put oil into. Like, uh, it also came with this cool little spray bottle that you fill with infused oil, like an atomizer spray bottle. So, like, I made a really big plate of spaghetti the other night, and I had some really, like, bougie (laughs) olive oil I infused. I was, like, spritzing (laughs) it all over the sauce. (laughs) Dude, I love you, man. You're awesome, man. You're so innovative, man. I love this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's so cool. Oh, man, that's dope. I never actually heard about that before. But this is actually something that you also use to make like some infused bath bombs, right? And those turned out amazing. So how do you yeah. make those? So we realized um, that basically the coconut oil that I use for my bath bombs or the MCT oil, which is a coconut an oil derived from coconuts, um, very good for you, very easy to infuse as well. And um, I I just found out that I can run all that stuff through the Levo and infuse it. And then whatever the bath bomb recipe calls for, instead of just using that oil, I, I replace it with infused oil. But then with the bath bombs, I take it um, another step. One ingredient for the bath bombs is Epsom salt. And so what I'll do is I'll take Epsom salt in a pan and I will take activated Rick Simpson oil or alcohol-based extractions, and I will saturate that crystal, the Epsom salt within. I'll crush it up so it's infused yeah. as well. And then that way, I'm infusing the bath bomb in, like, a couple different ways. So as long as, like, two or three ingredients are infused, and then I'm blending them together at the end and then compressing yeah. them, yeah. I feel like it's effective. The first round that we make, because I was so scared that people wouldn't feel anything, my uh my friend at the time her girlfriend texted her and she's like oh my gosh i fell asleep in the bathtub i was like okay (laughs) got it they need to be weaker (laughs) okay it works it definitely works i'm gonna turn it down just a little bit (laughs) yeah we're at 11 i'm gonna need you at about four (laughs) we don't want anyone falling asleep in that tub and I'm like, is, is she okay? Is she alive? Like, tell her to send me a text message or something, man. Yeah, like, we good here? Oh, geez, that's awesome, though. That's pretty, like, like I said, man, I saw that and I was like, these bath bombs look so awesome. And, like, yeah. I, I ran through the comments and people seem to be loving him. And so um, I like to do, I'm, like, really into aesthetically pleasing things. So, like, if it's nice to look at, I enjoy it usually. And so... Um, with the bath bombs, I just wanted to put my own element of like tidiness on them and presentation. And so I bought some dried flower petals and then I lined the molds with them. And then I got those a little wet with like witch hazel. And then I pressed the mold powder into it on top of them. And so with that, I was able to like put a nice little touch on it. And then the bath bombs get 
shrink wraps and then put into like a nice lacy bag and uh you know the present it's all about Very presentation nice presentation the yeah, product dude. has to be good granted yeah. you can't you can't package up you know some mids and then call it not mids and expect it not to be mids right yeah like, exactly it's gotta be fire with fire packaging and so yeah. i like the presentation um i mentioned i'm like an it guy and so I also dabble with like website design and graphic design stuff. So I design all my own seed packs and labels and I do all that myself because Dope. it's, it's relaxing for me. I unwind like with an episode of, uh, you know, like South Park and some photo editing or whatever. Yeah, like. yeah I love it. I love it, dude. That's, that's what it's all about as well. When you do that, you can get really like in tune with what you're doing. It's your company. It's your brand. It's your sure. stuff. And trust me, I have my own limitations. There's stuff I'm like, man, I wish I knew how to do that. Yeah, but like, of course. Uh, my really good friend, Lemur Priest, his his girlfriend does fantastic art. And so she, when she has time, she'll help me out with stuff that's a little bit above my pay grade. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it like, happens to us all, dude. I'm not an artist either, but I yeah. try to dabble. If I can get help, I'm all about taking that help. <laughs> yeah, dude, for sure. And, like, and, and even if it costs something, I help somebody out and spread the love. You know, it's like, yeah. ooh. For I get sure. some graphics and you got a commission art piece. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about, dude, was some of those dope shots of like wax, rosin, shatter, all that stuff that you got on your page. And like you said, you started off a bit more of that recently. So can you tell yeah. me a little bit about that all? So uh, Matt and I were backstage and we were talking about, you know, a few things. And um, I just let him know, like, I got this rosin press and I had this material and I, I just thought I did, you know, I did some surface level reading and I have this whole big buildup and I spent all this money and I package all this stuff and I press it. And what am I left with? Like brown burnt popcorn, <laughs> yeah. disgusting puddle. You know, it might as well be butane soup. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and so it, like, not really, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, it's less than desirable. I didn't yeah, want to dab it. Best. And it sat in my closet for like a year, bro. Yeah, and, really got uh, you discouraged, in other words. Yeah, I was very discouraged. And I was like, this is for the professionals, you know. Um, but it, recently, um, I decided to pick my chin up and try again. And Dust out the old press? Yeah, dust off the old press. I hooked it up to the air compressor because it's a, it's a commercial pneumatic press. It is a very high quality, nice Dope. press. Yeah, it's cool. And then I also have a hand crank um, as well. It's like a brick press style. But I've been talking to some, you know, hash hashiers or um, whatever they prefer to be called. I'm drawing a blank on it. Sorry. But basically, there's a lot of mixed opinions on it. Like some people really like the pneumatic industrial machine. It's like, yeah, you uh, get one single source and you set the temp and you set the pressure and you can just run through bulk. And sure, yeah. for that setting, it's great. But like the hand crank, I can understand what they're saying because I'm literally laying on my floor. I'm shining a flashlight at this micron bag. I'm waiting to see that white powder melt into like an oil. And as soon as I see that oil start beating up on that paper, I apply a little more pressure. And I'm like, okay. oh, is it sweating through? And then it starts to come through. And I'm like, it's liquidated. It's go time. And then I hammer down that pressure and that gold comes out, bro. Oh, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah, man, that's definitely yeah. something I want to get into. And I see you've been doing some awesome ones, man. So I just had to ask you, man. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm allowed to show yeah. anything. 
Yeah, why not? Let's let's show something. Let's see. Let's show some of the viewers what we got going on over here. So I'll just flash two different consistencies, and I'll let you know that guaranteed both of these were made solventless on a press, and they're okay. very different looking. I'm excited. Oh, very nice. Very nice. So this is more of like a you know a whipped uh, batter that was kind of pressed into something that looks like rosin. Yeah. And then this is more of a jam. Okay. And these are accomplished with finer microns, like five micron steel stainless steel bags, and you know there's there's mechanical separation that happens to to separate certain cannabinoids from terpenes, and and uh, like you and I were talking about the level of studying and knowledge and practice it takes. I mean, I I was telling you, man, I'm not kidding. I burned through several pounds of plant material. Uh, yeah. Let let me let me rephrase that. I ruined several pounds of high quality plant material getting to the point that I'm at. Um, and so those two were made solventless with a press and they're very high quality. The one that does not look crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. I made. And so oh. this one I bought. And so okay. this one I made. And so you can see uh, the level that I'm at. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I'm getting there. I'm studying. I'm not a professional. I'm not a king of rosin by any means, but like it's my goal. And uh, with the New Mexico market, um, I'm from Boulder. I feel that ice water hash and solvent list is very straightforward and natural. Boulder is very natural and it's where I'm from. So yeah. I've created a company for the New Mexico recreational market called Boulder Boy Solvent Lists. Nice. And you will see it flooding dispensaries in New Mexico That's soon, legit. even later. That's legit. So, like, I've actually got a little piece here as well that I got. I don't know if you can probably see it too great. It but, looks good. Um, I got yeah, it from the good. Dispo, man. But when you're looking for, like, what, what, what are the telltale signs of what's good and what's bad? Like, how can you tell? I'd say if you see anything like that, it's probably pretty good. Okay. So, a lighter <laughs> color, maybe? Like... That was a joke. Um, okay. So... Tell, okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> this guy is sending me down the wrong road guys <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk solvent extraction um <laughs> the uh as far as rosin goes at, like quality um how dry is the material because what i've noticed is even like a three to five degree temperature change in the press can take yeah. it from like dry white putty to putty that has a little bit of moisture behind it. And that moisture is not water, it's oil content, it's terpenes. And yeah. so with cold cures or simulated cold cures, we can effectively start to separate the terpene content from the substance that we're dabbing. Okay. And with that, we start seeing those nice cold cure batters with like that terp sauce layer on top of them in the jars. Okay. Are you going to get an ounce jar with terp sauce floating on it at the dispensary? Probably not. Yeah. You're going to get gram jars. And a lot of the times it's something that they can't even open. So I would say find a club or a dispensary if you can for yourself in a legal state, if you have access to that and, and find a club that you like, that you know is knowledgeable. Yeah. If they're only pushing solvent or solvent extractions like BHO, uh, like wax shatter stuff like that it's not a bad thing solvent list just hasn't made its way to every corner in the market believe it or not even in new mexico we did some market research i was seeing half grams of stuff that i wouldn't take dabs of for 90 bucks and so yeah. like i'm like if i can come in with fire for 75 a gram the rest is a story yeah. so these markets just need education and i'm not even there yet but like the potential to come in and help like redefine what hash should look like and what it should cost and what it should taste like. 
the hash should taste like the flower smells. It's the yeah. essence of the plant. So if you can like smell that. those terpenes and you wish that that flower tasted like those terpenes you're getting a nice nose of, that's why we turn it into concentrates because we can concentrate those oils and those cannabinoids. And that's how we get those crazy nice flavors. So you heard me say earlier, I freeze full plants. Yeah. Well, it's living. The terpenes are intact in a cold grow room. It's frozen immediately living. And so those terpenes are preserved. It's yeah. washed cold. Amazing. It's pressed, it's pressed with heat, but it's still cold pressing. It's pressed at like, you know, 135, 140 degrees yeah. for long temperatures or for long durations because it takes longer to sweat out. You know, there's a lot yeah. of like weird little fine variables. Wow. And then they throw another loop at us. You finally dial in one strain and you go in to do it with the next one and it turns out brown. And you're like, great. So oh, <laughs> back to step one, like a whole new process because yeah. it's a new strain. Because you got to dial those back in again because it's that new strain. Yeah. And so for people on the consumer market, um, even myself included, when I go in, uh, one of the first things I don't know, they're like, hey, what are you looking for? And I'm like, fire solvent lists. That's yeah. exactly what I say. I need some fire solvent lists. Solvent. And then they take me over if they've got it. And I ask what the consistency is. And so if they tell me it's rosin, it means they pressed it and they threw it in containers more often than not. I really don't want to mess with it. Um, a lot of people get turned off on solvent lists because in my personal experience, all the rosin I've made that I didn't like whip into batters or butters, yeah. I still get a tinge of that plant taste. It hasn't okay. been refined I yet see. or cured out. And so yeah. I think that tinge... It's, it's subtle. Like it's not bad. It's yeah. not like uncured, uncured herb or any meat or anything, you know, but like, it, it's not great. It's yeah. a tinge, but it turns people off. And I've heard a lot of people say, yeah, solventless is cool, but it's not quite there with these fine refinements, dif getting different consistencies, treating with different temperatures, whipping under different, you know, temperatures and durations and, and curing processes. We can utilize all sorts of things and di get different different types of dabs, and so yeah. that's what's so alluring to me. I like being able to take one plant and making sugar, live sugar, rosin, live resin, batter, butter, so sauce, many different crystals. Things. You know, I'm like, yeah. I love extracting. There's a lot of extractions that I know a lot about and that I would love to be licensed to do one day and, and do above board and everything. But like that is a whole nother chapter in my life right now. I'm working on solvent lists. I have yeah. a friend who does diamond mining and the amount of money he spent on equipment to get started is just baffling. And I'd rather just support him and, and you know, grab stuff from him. Yeah. So like, that's what I was flashing to you earlier. This is something that my buddy made. Nice. And you got to show that love and support, man. And that looks good, man. That looks good as far as I can those, see. Those, those diamonds are like as big as my thumbnail. That's pretty good. That's good not bro. bad at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, had to, I had to look down at my finger and be like, that, that, but that's pretty good. <laughs> man, this just looks so awesome, man. It's amazing. Like, <clears throat> I actually think I got to get you back on to do, like, a full episode where we can really get into some of, Yo. like, the solvent <laughs> like stuff. Like, that's, that's what we need to do, man. But, I'm like, some it. people who are, like, watching right now, they may not really know the difference between, like, wax, rosin, and shatter. So can you just break down what's the differences between the three? Because they're not really used interchangeably. They actually mean different yes. things, right? So technically speaking, they are very specific and applicable to the consistency and the extraction process. You and I don't have enough time. That's why it is a good idea to, to talk again, to go yeah. into each consistency, why it's For called sure. what it is. Yeah. Basically, the biggest defining factors of what a concentrate is called, when was the plant processed? Was it okay. a living plant or was it a dried cured plant? Was Excellent. it extracted with a solvent or was it extracted without a solvent? 
Excellent. And then what's the consistency of the material? Is it sugar? Is it peanut butter? Is it wax? Is it a piece of glass? Is it shatter? Is it butter? The, the consistency, more often than not, I feel like carries the most weight of the naming process. Because like, if you've got sugar that was extracted with butane, you don't call it BHO live sugar. You just say, check yeah. out this sugar dabs, you know, or yeah. check out the sugar, the sugar spire, yeah. you know, it's good sugar. Yeah. Yeah. And, it's, and more often than not, yeah, you refer to it on a surface level, a consumer level. You know, if you're shopping and you say, I want some sugar, they're going to they're gonna bring out some BHO sugar probably. True, true. Good so, point. Yeah, Good that's point. that's the best way that I can break that down. Uh, how was it processed? When was it processed? And what's the consistency of the final product? And there lies the naming. Got it. Those are the three things that you need to look for, guys. We're definitely going to get them back on for another episode where we can like go into depth on these stuff because that's definitely <laughs> what you guys will need to find out. But I've also saw that you got a grow, a dope grow box, man. Like we were speaking a little bit before about how you built your own boxes out like speakers. So I think that that's just a good place to finish as well, man. You got a dope grow box called the Bloom Box. It's got a fan. It's got lights. It's got two sections for like seedlings and stuff. Oh, Tell me about man. it, man. It seems that you love it. And I, I, I think I love it too. So I want to find out more <laughs> about it. <laughs> I'm obsessed with it. It has all of these internal outlets but yeah. they're not like wall outlets they're like three prong connector clip styles okay and they've got all these labels on them one's like constant on water pump co2 integration um the box is on a microcontroller and a relay yeah. on a board and plugged into that board is an air pump a co2 regulator a digital hid ballast a mean well driver that i wired in for led retrofit entire fan system air uh the air pumps are for water and then it also runs water pumps for the hydroponic tubs i don't know if you've seen the nine site hydroponic tub that i run last thing i ran in it was appalicious from in-house which is sour apple cross to burners pancakes i ran that and um, i think i saw that dude yeah and uh dude yeah (laughs) that little tub uh, sorry i was just reflecting on how phenomenal those plants were but that little tub i grew those in (laughs) um came in that bloom box so it's a hydro specific box which is also another thing that i liked about it and yeah it does i retrofitted it with 300 watts of mars hydro led bars on the flower side yeah it has a switch that says 18.6 or 12.12 and then the middle is off so in your bloom side you can go veg and then you can flip to flower yeah and then it also has an area where you can keep a small mother plant and clones that's either 18.6 or off and it's got a 125 watt. I don't know if any of you guys remember those big CFLs from back in the day that they sold as grow holds. Yeah, it has one of those big 125 watts in there. I was going to convert it to LED, but I honestly kind of like the look and how the fluorescent produces. It hasn't been changed in like 10 years, and the clones still grow just as fast as they did. Wow, dude, you've had that a long time. So, like, did you make that whole box from scratch? No, no. Like, and the only yeah, no, no. The only reason I know how it was functioning 10 years is because I actually got it. third hand Ooh, my okay okay i see <laughs> this girl that i was like you know dating and you know like going chasing in high school and whatever i'd go over to her house and uh there's like this patch of weeds in the backyard and i was like is that a weed plant in the middle of all that and she's like you're literally <laughs> the first person to notice and so long story short uh, i became very good friends with her dad and um he bought this thing out of like the back of a high times magazine in like 2006 or seven or something, yeah. you know, paid, paid like buku bucks for it. Wow. And, uh, he ran it for years and loved it. And then he sold it to another one of our mutual friends, I think for like, for like 1500 bucks or something. And, um, 
And then uh, he ran it for a while. And so I was like always over at his apartment, you know, like obsessing, obsessing. And I was like, yo, sell me that, sell me that, sell me that. I want and it, I like, want no, it. Dude, how much, how much, how much? Yeah. <laughs> and so like a few years pass. Exactly. How much? Everything has price. <laughs> and so like a few years pass and I went over to his house to drop off some clones. And I was like, where's the bloom box? He's like, dude, I haven't ran it in forever. I was like, you haven't ran it in forever and you didn't call me. How much? So I gave him 700 bucks and it's mine. <laughs> Cop, it's mine now. <laughs> man, that looks awesome though, man. Like it seems that I just love the fact that it's got like separate areas for the seeds, the mother plants. Like it's just yeah. so much going on in just such an organized space. And I'm all and about And the lights are sealed with glass. So the flowering chamber actually has a separate ventilation system from the light area that has its own PC fans. And then there's a CO2 line that's ported in through the aluminum housing. Yeah that direct injects CO2 into the flower chamber. Yeah, that's yeah, dope, man. So that, did, did he make this from scratch or did he buy it? No, it's from a company in Canada called BC Northern Lights. Okay. And it's something that you could purchase like in the back of a High Times magazine in the early 2000s. It was basically wow, marketed so as a cool. plug-in play turnkey solution for yeah. stealth growing when, when it was illegal to grow in Colorado. Yeah. And uh, it was like something that you just turn the switches on, you fill it with our nutrients and our water, yeah. and you... You plant your season, you tuck it in your walk-in closet, plug it in, and then you just check it, it like yeah, you just you know, once it. a week. And yeah. it, it does it for you. It was that. It, but it was just wow. a big scale, and they did it right. Like, they did it good. It wasn't cheesy or hokey, yeah. you know? Like, it actually gets it the job legit. Yeah, yeah, well, if it's still, like, persevering, like, 10 years later, like, we're talking about it's 2022 now, man. Like, I think he bought it in 2006, bro. So, like, 16 years ago. Oh, and this geez, thing's, man. I've been cleaning it. I touched up some of the silicone. But the digital ballast that came with it still works. I just retrofitted it with LED to run it cooler yeah. and more my just style. Like, but like, like your sort of upgrade, personalized upgrades. But eventually, I want to run it really my style. So I'm going to pull that 400-watt HID ballast, and, and I'm going to wire in a square wave 315 CMH. So I can run the 315 CMH bulb above the LED bars and yeah. really do it my way. Yeah. But I'm, I, uh, I don't have an extra 315 ballast right now, and it's, it's down the road. i got too many projects. <laughs> Dope, dope, man. Well, that's freaking awesome, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you doing a bit more of that. Now, it seems like we've touched on like everything. We've touched on a bit of HPS lights, wax, rosin, DWC, crossing plants, and we had an awesome Know Your Bud segment, man. So thank you so yeah, much for fine. that. We went through it all. But for all those watching that want to find you, where can they get in touch with you? They may want to run some of your uh, some of your strains and stuff. Sure, sure. Those dope so crosses. So where can we find you? If you guys want to keep up with my current projects and the little things that I dabble with day in, day out, you can follow my Instagram. It's just at Curtis Crosses. So Curtis, C-U-R-T-I-S, Crosses, C-R-O-S-S-E-S. My website is where you can find gear. Um, Matt was gracious enough to invite me on this show. So the least that I could do is hook up all of you guys as his subscribers and followers. I created a promo code for my website, CurtisCrosses.org. It's an organization, not .com, CurtisCrosses.org. Promo code ICANTHC, all lowercase, gets you awesome. 60% off. Shit, man. Pulled... Guys, 60% off. Yeah. And so this? I pulled, admittedly, I didn't, I wanted to hook you guys up, but I can't like hurt myself. So for, for the next month, there's only reg seeds on the website. I pulled, I pulled cuts and I pulled feminized seeds, but anything on the website is 60% off. And that promo code is valid for, is for 30 days. And okay. so um, we've got some new strains. We've got ice cream dump truck. Okay. It's a love and inner eyes cross. Yeah. I've got feel and Irie. It's a Irie genetics, garlic goat cross top secret, which is the C Mac 55. That's a Mac V two yeah. cross. Uh, Ooh, these that two, one sounds nice. 
Yeah, we've got Triple C and Cake and Chem F2. My friend Crazy Hands grows red these from my F1s that I created. Yeah. Uh, these are crazy fire. Those are listed on the website. We've got You're My Boy Blue, which is the Blue Dream Star Dog. That's, like the, that that's the prized <laughs> male that I hit everything with to yeah. start. Uh, we've got the Secret Straw. That's a Kyle Cushman strawberry cough with an oh ADHD 13 hash plant cross. Yeah. And then the package itself. This is Curtis's Kush. Kurt's Kush. I love it. I, it's I a like winner, that dude. That it's one. A winner. That one I like. And That's so we've awesome. got all those seeds up on the website, 60% off. Big, big, big ups to you, Matt, man. Thank you so much for having me on your show, highlighting me, giving me some spotlight time. This is tremendous. Thank you. Of course, man. That's absolutely my pleasure. And thank you so much for that discount code for all the viewers. You guys definitely yeah. check him out on Instagram. Check out his website. I'll put links to all that down below. You don't want to miss out on these awesome savings because he's growing fire strains, guys. Like That's what I've been talking about to you guys. Fire, fire, fire. How should be. <laughs> 100 man so thank you so much for jumping on the show curtis like i said i'm gonna have to get you back on again so we can run through some of that dabs wax straws and all that stuff all the concentrates we got to talk to it with the concentrate king <laughs> let's do it man if it's for you i'll make it happen whenever you need me to buddy thank you so much man that means a ton man thank you so much man so i guess we'll, we'll stay in touch dude yeah man hit me 100%. up DM me on the instant thank you everybody Thanks, for watching man. everybody have a good day cheers man i'm gonna see you